0: Schalke 04,
1: Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf English. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke podcast for the fans and the only podcast partnering with Schalke. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. A little bit of uh, computer issues, but other than that, I'm doing okay for, uh, for a Sunday.
0: Technical difficulties, man. They always pop up.
1: I'm telling you, man, out of our control. What what can you do, right? Things that, uh, I, I don't know if you saw this, Jack, but uh looks like Forbes came out with their annual list of most valuable clubs. Uh, Schalke, again, are in the top 20, ranking 16th. Um, fellow rivals Bayern and Dortmund uh, made the list as well, and at fourth place and tw- uh, twelfth place, respectively. So, uh, Shaka's still making money despite um, not doing so well this year. Uh, Schalke's always never had a problem making money, Jack. It's just uh, keeping players is the thing. Um, I guess that's how you make money, right? Selling your players. So, uh, but they they've always, they always seem to always be in the top twenty. It seems like.
0: Yeah, I had not seen the new list, but uh, that doesn't surprise me to hear that they're ranked. Uh, in that general area that seems to kind of be where they pop up every year,
1: you know hopefully all this money that they're making eventually can turn into something where they can keep players. Uh, I know Shaka historically has been a selling club, but um we're hoping that you know down the road they can at least start keeping some of the players and and build on that much as some of the bigger clubs in the world do. Um, we're gonna start this podcast on a on a downward note uh during the game on uh Friday. We picked up three more injuries, Jack. Uh, injuries to Steven Skripsky, Benjamin Stambouli, and Alessandro Schof. Uh Two of them happened in the first half, actually.
0: Yeah, not good from what I heard, and it looks like a couple of those are going to be um, somewhat long-term, um, as in like you know, minimum a month, probably more than that. Uh, that's the last thing we needed at this point. Uh, I mean, Skripsky's one of them, as you said, but. Uh, up until now, most of those injuries had been to the striker positions and some of the more attacking players, and now our midfield's getting hit as well. But uh, you know, hopefully, we have some of the depth to to overcome that. I guess.
1: Yeah. So the three injuries. Uh, so Steven Skripsky, he had a hamstring in the game. Um, he ended up coming up lame and had to come out. Uh, looks like he'll be out for at least two weeks. Benjamin Stambouli, who got a clash with the heads um they're saying now it's a cheekbone fracture and they're thinking at least a month he'll be out and then uh the big one alessandro shop um they're saying lcl injury on a dirty play i'm gonna call it right now uh they're saying eight to ten weeks he'll be out right at, at the moment so um things could change when they re-diagnose these, uh, these injuries but uh, that's how it stands right now and like you said we, hopefully we get some depth here and um maybe we get some uh, more bodies coming to the transfer window but i guess we'll we'll see with that coming in the next couple of days huh
0: yeah, it's going to be tough. Next man up.
1: Next man up. All right. Well, we're going to get into the game right away. Uh this one was at the Olympia Stadion in Berlin. Derek Ray was on the call for this one. It's always good to hear his voice uh on on a, on a any kind of game, not just a Bundesliga game, Jack. Um he's got to be one of the better ones out there.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. One one of the best in the business and uh can't be disappointed anytime he pops up on one of your one of your broadcasts.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just saw a tweet by him moments ago saying, "Oh, he's leaving Germany. Thanks Bundesliga for the time, or something like that." So, uh, I guess it was a short, short stint in Germany here for uh, for him calling
0: games. I guess <clears throat> he pops up every now and then. I don't know, if, 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 and I I'll have to go take a look at what that tweet says. I don't know if he was just here for like a week or something, or if he's saying goodbye to calling Bundesliga games for yeah, the foreseeable definitely. future. But. Um, yeah, that's always a treat when he's when he's on it. Not not that the other people are <laughs> exactly <laughs> subpar or anything, but Derek Ray's a different class, man.
1: Yeah, I was hearing like World Cup games and stuff like the big games. You know, it's like oh, it's, it's an iconic voice. Anyway, um, on to the lineup for Schalke. Uh, Alexander Nubel got another start in this one, Jack. Um, and then uh, the I saw different. I saw conflicting. Uh, lineups that came out the one that they showed on tv you said it was a back three of benjamin stambouli salif sane and Matija nastasic midfield of daniel caligiri sebastian rudy yevon Konoplyanka who's back in the lineup because weston mckinney is out with suspension alessandra shof and bastiano chipka and then up top you had mark Uth and steven Skripsky. uh the couple of the places that looked like they were saying it was a four four three four four two or or uh three five two in this case uh Either way, what would you make of the lineup minus uh, McKinney in this one?
0: Yeah, as you said, McKinney uh, out with uh, yellow card accumulation suspension, so he should be back uh, next week. Um, Looked like a 4-2-3-1 to me, uh, which is kind of what we've been going with recently. So, um, Stasic, Sané, parent centrally at center back. um, Chipkin, Calgary, obviously, right and left back. Um, or left and right back, I should say, respectively. Um, Rudy and Stambouli, uh, sort of that deep holding, too. And then uh, Markut was in the number 10 hole with Shup to his right, kind of playing out wide, and Skripsky, uh the lone striker up top. That's kind of how I saw it. And I feel like that's what the shape was, at least for most of the first half.
1: I agree, yeah. And when, I, when they showed it at first, I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then when they started playing, I'm like, that definitely wasn't right. But hey, whatever it is, we know who the 11 players were, and um, I thought this was a a good lineup. Uh, and we'll get into this in the first half. Um, we're gonna start though, in the thirteenth minute. Um, a little bit of controversy. Um, at least I think so. Kareem Rekic, Uh, I thought he has a vicious foul on Alexander Shov. Um, looked like he could have broken his leg with that foul. Studs up. Shov was down for several minutes. What was your thoughts on that tackle?
0: <sighs> yeah, it was a bad one, wasn't it? Um.
1: The first, did you watch the replay where his leg bent? I'm like, oh, yeah, it looked
0: bad. (laughs) There's, I mean, I don't know how everyone else. Usually is able to view these things, but anytime you're watching like football or soccer, and there's um, know, like a leg break or an ankle break or, or something is moving around wrong, it's hard to watch. it You kind of cringe and everything. Now yeah. nothing happened to to shove on this one in terms of you know like a leg snapping or anything, but um, it still didn't look quite right, and it was that was painful to watch as well. Uh, Rickett only picks up a yellow card for this. To be honest, to me that's a straight red. Um, yeah. I'm not saying he was intentionally trying to injure Shup for anything, but um, that's yeah, like a, a, you know, a pretty full blooded studs-up tackle right on Shup's planted leg easily could have broken his leg or something it was a very dangerous play and
1: uh it was on his shins too it wasn't like it was ankles or foot yeah it was, yeah, on his it shin was his really
0: feet. high at his leg and his leg was planted so it's not like you know he's just gonna like scrape him or anything like it he was putting a lot of weight on it and it's really lucky that nothing worse i mean chef obviously we talked about the injury but like it could have been significantly worse than that i think so uh luckily that didn't happen but wreckage is luckily to get away from that without getting a red card because it very easily could have been
1: yeah, yeah, and so um he was down for several minutes but uh, the game would the game would continue obviously. Uh, the game started out a little slow, but that's good for Schalke and Schalke's, in Schalke's uh, eyes, uh, they were playing well, I thought. Um, and then things would get better in the 17th minute. Uh Yevhen Konoplyanka doing what Yevhen Konoplyanka does. Um, he was outside the uh, outside the left side of the pitch, uh dancing around and runs in as he always does it takes a great curling shot it goes to the far post scores a goal from just outside the box jack one nothing we expected from Konopianka he's either going to do one or two things and this is one of the things he does
0: yeah it's a classic Konopianka kind of goal um <laughs> uh yeah. if if somebody said like imagine a Konopianka kind of goal and you you know pictured it in your head that's basically exactly what you would what you would conjure up um it's it's his one move essentially it's like all he does but <laughs> <laughs> occasionally he's still able to pull it off not as much as we'd like him to but yeah as you said he picks up the ball on the left hand side he's kind of right at like the 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 top corner of the box got two people in front of him and he kind of hesitates for a minute like should i play a pass what should i do and i think eventually he's just like ah screw it and he just kind of cuts inside takes off and uh gets a really nice shot it's a it's a curling effort back post and beats the keeper and uh, kind of came out of nothing a little bit i don't think we had too much going on prior to that but uh that's why I love Kanoplanka, I guess, is he's he's one of the few guys on the team. Once again, even though he doesn't do it that regularly, he's one of the few guys on the team that I think you could say is able to create his own offense at times. So uh that was good to see him yeah, yeah. hop up on the score sheet. And Tedesco absolutely loved it. He was <laughs> freaking out <laughs> quite a bit. And the interesting thing that the uh that, that was said on the broadcast was that um six times previously this campaign, Shawk has taken taken a one 0 yeah. lead and they've won every single one of those matches, which yeah. I guess shouldn't be super surprising because you know in 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 football this is you know this is what happens. Like obviously, if you take the lead, your your chances of winning are significantly greater because it's not like you know there's like ten goals coming in every game or something like that. But right. um, I just I, I guess I hadn't really realized that, and that was really interesting mm-hmm. to hear. Um, so it just kind of hammers home how important it is for us to try to fix this offense and get out on the front foot a little bit earlier than normal because it really seems to make a significant impact on the points we're getting.
1: Yeah, I was shocked at that at that stat actually. And one, I was shocked that we took the lead six times in in, in this season. <laughs> uh but the fact that we were undefeated in those games, is like, oh okay, well, that's I mean it makes sense, but I didn't think uh it was it was to be that that way this season. But uh yeah, Shokan took the lead, won nothing early on. And then um a few minutes after that goal, I think it was around the twentieth minute or so, uh, both Benjamin Sambuli and Arna Meyer, they both go up for a header. They collide heads. That's never a good thing when you see that, Jack. Uh, Sambuli was down for several minutes. Looked like they were running some concussion protocols on him, but... Um you knew right away that something wasn't right when uh when they hit heads
0: yeah it looked like Stambouli got the worst of that um and that's what his injury is related to once again um he kind of hits uh on a mire with I guess like his his sort of cheekbone area it wasn't yeah. like a forehead to forehead yeah. situation and uh he was in distress you know pretty pretty immediately and uh, obviously it led to something that's gonna require some healing um but uh it was interesting because bo- both both and Stambouli were able to continue playing for periods of time after their injuries, which was which was interesting. But it, it, it did result ultimately in um a couple first half subs, which is not not ideal.
1: Yeah, and I actually thought Shaka looked well and controlled, at least defensively, up until the substitutions of Alessandro Schof in the twenty seventh for Suat Serder and Stambulli in the thirty-third um for, for Nabil Bentaleb. Um there's two unfortun two unfortunate early substitutions, Jack, but um, Domenico Tedesco, you know, you, he already does take early substitutions, but not this early. It's not. Some, I mean, the only time I can remember that him taking this early of a substitutions was in the Dortmund game, uh, the the last season. Uh, but this is uh, a different animal. It's injuries, and you're using up two subs right away that you could use later in the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, though. I mean, if your guys are struggling out yeah. there, you gotta you gotta help them out and take them off. It's just you know, not how we would have <laughs> liked that yeah. to go. You're basically replacing like half your midfielders, so.
1: Well, as we said, the first half was a little bit slower paced up until this point uh, after the second substitution uh, of Stambouli. But then things would quickly pick up, Jack, just before halftime. We'll start with some more controversy, and this is in the 39th. David Selke, uh, there's a counter by Hertha Berlin. He pulls back Sebastian Rudy with an obvious pull, at least I think so. Uh, It ended up freeing up a Hertha player in the midfield, which uh, continued the the counterattack, if you will. Uh, nothing was called. Arna Meyer would end up getting the ball. Uh, continues up the pitch. He finds Andre Duda, who makes a ridiculous backheel to his streaking marker Grulich. Um He finishes it off uh, short side. Great counterattack, Jack. But uh, should there have been a callback on
0: that Rudy play? I'm, I'm more concerned with what happened with Shalka on this play because it was, it <laughs> yeah. was bothering me before it happened. And I'm not trying to like claim that, like I saw this coming. Cause I, I mean, I didn't, but um, Shalka had possession in that, you know, that deep kind of corner of Hertha's area. And uh, ultimately Hertha wins the throw. And there's like four people maybe that are making no effort to get back behind the ball. And you can see it before the, the throws taken. And I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, does anyone want to like, Drop back and get in position so they don't just like take off. And I didn't expect it to actually go, you know, essentially box to box, but that's ultimately what happened. They just kind of tossed the ball in and suddenly there's like an acre of open space in the midfield. Yeah. And and maybe there was some, uh, you know, less than fair play that took place on part of that kind of breakaway. But um, I feel like Shock was just kind of sleepwalking at that point. I'm like, you still had like, you know, almost 10 minutes before halftime. Like, it, it just it was it was a weird play. Like people just didn't. I I don't know what was going on there, but uh, that was way too easy, and I was not surprised at all when it ended up resulting in a goal because they just kind of jogged down the field, made a couple passes, and it was in. And it's that that's it's such a silly goal to concede. I mean, like you know th- these leads are so precious, and you're gonna. <laughs> I just I thought it was way too easy. How How did you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, yeah, who cares? There is a there is a possible you know foul on the play, but. They cut through Schalke like it was, like it was the easiest thing in the world. And like you said, no one was backtracking. Uh, Arne Meyer had the free reign of running up the pitch, and he eventually gives it to uh, Andre Duda. And there's nothing you could do about Duda's back heel kick. That was a, that was a great yeah, pass. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm gonna stand up and applaud that guy. But yeah, they made it. Schalke made it way too easy for Hertha to come, come right through and just do what they want. Like no one even put pressure on any, any person who had the ball in during that whole sequence. It was just do what you want. It's like a FIFA game or something. Anyway, so that's 1-1. The lead's gone uh, in the 39th minute. Uh, But things would not slow down there. Uh, Things were obviously high tension after this goal. Um, (laughs) So they go back to the the kickoff, Jack. uh, And on that ensuing kickoff, or just before it, I should say, David Selke and Sebastian Rudy, they start getting into war words. They start shoving each other. Uh, They end up both getting yellows. Teammates have to separate them on the play. Uh, Obviously, I like to see that passion from Rudy. Uh, he hasn't had that kind of yeah. passion all season, but I mean, uh, they were into it, and guys were really going after each other.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed seeing that from Rudy. Um, him displaying some, some investment um, and some passion for what's for what's taking place. And that's that's maybe a little bit harsh on my on my. And I'm not trying to claim that you know he he doesn't care or anything, but you know he's kind of walked through a number of performances this season, so it was good to see him getting you know fired up about something and. and being visibly um, invested in what was going on, but uh, yeah, dude, Selke's Z- got a little bit of a temper on him. He was—I uh, mean, uh, outside of even just that—that that one scrum, he was uh, pretty vocal. The refs yeah, and he's freaking out on a number of different occasions.
1: Yeah, he was a feisty one, and you kind of want your 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 strikers to be to be that kind of player. I mean, uh, Guido Berkel has that that trait in him also as well. Maybe not to the extent <ître> of Selke, but um, yeah, no, I thought Selke was certainly. Uh, uh, Hot tempered, I guess, uh, during the game. And I haven't watched enough of him this season. I, last year, I remember him being the same way. So maybe that's just part of his temperament, part of why he is good in front of the net because he's just, he just like a bulldog and goes after stuff and he gets you know fed up real quick. So I don't know. Yeah, it makes um, you miss
0: Zayd a little bit because I thought he was kind of like the emotional leader on those situations yeah, back before he went to Arsenal. Like we kind of missed that presence at yeah. times, I feel like.
1: No, I agree 100%. Um, so they broke up the play. The, game, the play could uh, resume. You wonder how Schalke would, would respond. I thought they responded really well, actually, in the 44th minute. Schalke continued pressing. They're obviously trying to get back the lead that they lost. Then we saw some beautiful teamwork. Uh, I think it was Konoplyaka gives it to Ochipka. Ochipka, uh, he makes a pass into the box to Mark Uth, who just powered Holmes a shot past Yarstein. Nothing he could do about it. Schalke regained the advantage 2-1. Uh, to one. You love. I mean, I love seeing
0: Mark Uth get a goal like that. I mean, I love Mark Uth getting any goal just because. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, we need true. to get that guy going. Um, <laughs> the the, the, last, the last three goals of the first half, I felt were all very similar in that. Like it was just. What, it, feel free to disagree with me, but you know I was just. I disagree I was with just, you. Yeah, I right. I, I was just criticizing Shalga for how kind of lackadaisical their defensive efforts were on that Hertha goal. And I thought it was fairly similar from Hertha on this one. Um, I think it was Kano kind of had the ball left-hand side, and he's just kind of jogging. He's not really running that hard. And uh, Ochipka is making this overlapping run on the left, and eventually he, he plays it to him, and Oot uh, makes a great run kind of diagonally central towards the box um and uh, i guess he just got lost or something but it didn't seem like any hertha players really made any effort to take Kanaplianka off the ball or put too much pressure on Ochepka once he picked it up and no one tracked this run of Uten. and uh Ociipka made a nice cutback and uh U- made no mistake about it it was a really really nice finish from him and i was i mean it's a great it's a nice team goal from schalke but once again i thought that was too easy from from hertha as well
1: it's not like Mark Uth is like Conan Priyanka's size or anything. It's This guy's like six foot tall or something, so I don't know how you lose him, but they did, and I agree with you. They were very lackadaisical on the defense, luckily for us. It was just, uh, yeah, Conan Priyanka had all the time in the world. He was basically almost like dancing there, and then gives it to Ochipka, and Ochipka is like, okay, I can take my time, look around. Oh, okay, there's a guy there. He's wide open. Let me pass yeah, it I, I just kind of felt like Uth- everybody
0: on the pitch was like, oh, well, it's almost halftime, and they were yeah, playing that I way for like 10 I think minutes. I exactly yeah. what it was. It was weird. Yeah.
1: Because it went from like pretty good defensive game up until the last six minutes, and then it was just free for all. I'm like, what's going on? Just the game switched in like a, in the matter of seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Shaka gets to lead two to one. You're thinking, you know, something. You know, they're going to add some time into the into the into, after the first half because of the the two injuries and substitution. They added five minutes uh, in stoppage time. Well, in the fourth minute of stoppage time, a guy we've been mentioning a lot, David Selke. He chips in a lobbed pass into the box, uh, and uh, Vidad Ibisevic puts it away past Nubal. Very, very spotty defense. Uh, it seemed to me, at least, Jack, I don't know how much you think, but Salif Sané looked like he was lost in no man's land on that play. Kalajiri couldn't get there in time, and I doubt he could have, you know, jump with, with Ibisevic. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a pretty bad goal to give up. I think that was the worst of the three goals we saw. Well, the first goal we saw by Hertha was pretty bad, too, but... I mean, defensively, when the loose ball in the air in the box, you got to do better than
0: that. Yeah, not. I don't think that was the effort that was required from Sane to stop that. Um, I mean, I do want to give her some credit because it was a nice ball over the top to Selk initially, and it's a really, really nice, perfectly weighted chip from Selk, like to the center of the box to Obisovic. But e- e- even so, yeah. it, it seemed like when that ball was hit, Sane was like, "Oh, that's like a that's a little bit." over my head or kind of out of my range and he just kinda of gave up on it. And I feel like if he was like really trying to, he could have gotten there. And I think he was just expecting there to be another Shaka player behind him to challenge for that. And it, there wasn't. It was Calajuri trying to run it off the backside and, and get something. And um to me, I mean if you're if you're Sleeve Sonny and you're supposed you're this, you know, supposedly phenomenal player in the air, um, you need to, you know, command your box. And you know, every single one of those balls needs to be your ball, and you really need to some, make somebody work if they're going to take that yeah. off of you. And I think he just gave up way too easily on that play. That's just me, but I, yeah, that was kind of a a disappointing effort, in, in, in my opinion.
1: Let me ask you this: Do you think that maybe should have been a play that Nubel should have come out and either try to punch or, or grab? Possibly,
0: um, but I also don't think he. Exp- I, I, no, I mean, yeah, about I mean. That though. Though. That, that's fair. Um, I don't know if he had as much time as he might even normally if it was like a deeper cross because right. it was kind of like a, a small chip from like sort of inside the box just over to the side of it. Um, so I don't know if there's enough time for him to run out and get involved in that, but uh, I mean, I don't blame Nuble for just being like, hey, no, like no. that's that's my center back. He's going to make a play on this. And if your center back doesn't do that, you're going to be in trouble.
1: I thought this was actually a pretty good game for Noble, despite giving up two goals in like five minutes span. Um, I thought this was a, a pretty good game overall by Noble, and I and I am with you. I think more the defense is the 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 reason for that goal as opposed to anything else. It's just like hey, marking's got to be better. I agree with you. When the ball's in the air, you got to go for it. You got to act like it's yours. Uh, you know you can communicate with you and your teammates, but I everyone should be going for that ball. And if you're you know if it's yours, call it. I don't know what was going on there. It didn't look like anything communication-wise it was really going going on well there. So um, that would hurt the ties up the game. 2-2, it would go into halftime that, by that score line. And I'm thinking, giddy up, it's going to be a great second half. Uh, I guess uh, they all took a vacation after that. I mean, it was a the second half came out. I thought the guys did. Um, well, before we get to that, what would you make of the first half? I mean, obviously the last five, six minutes were were crazy, but. Um how about the thirty-nine min- minutes prior to that?
0: Yeah, it was all right. Um I think Schalke was kind of pressing fairly high up the pitch to start. Um and then some of that kind yep. of faded a little bit as the half progressed. Um and I thought like I mean, I felt like really early on, like I I feel like uh the Stasic and, and Sonic were like kind of trying to make their starting positions in possession be like the midfield line. Um, so we were like really shifted high up the field a lot. Um, and then that, you know, I don't know, if they care to kind of work just back over time. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was just sloppy. I don't know if it's cause it was like really cold or like what, I, it just, it, it felt like for some reason, no one in the game had their head in the game or was like really up for it. I don't know if it was like a Friday, you know, there's a whole Friday thing or it, it, I, I can't explain it. I, I just had a really weird vibe about that entire first half.
1: Yeah, no, I did too, and I, I mean it was weird because it, there weren't many opportunities going either way, and uh, it just it seemed funny. But the, the 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 only good part, not the only good part, one of the best parts about that first half was that not much was getting through to shot Schal- on Shaka's end before the before the thirty ninth minute, it seems Schalke were pretty good defensively. It seems like at least the guys that were in, you know, when when Schoff and Sembulie were in, it seemed the team was like um compact and doing what they needed to do to make sure that the game wouldn't get away from them. And then it seems like the two substitutes happened. Not blame the substitutes, but it seemed like the game plan kinda got changed and the all game plans got changed apparently by both teams and they just started to go free for all for the last five minutes of the half. So um it was okay first half. I thought Shaka coming out of the second half, uh while the it didn't the second half didn't really live up to expectations. I thought the um Chaka did really well as far as trying to put the onus on, on Hertha, trying to get another goal. Both teams um, had their opportunities. I mean, Nuble, he had this great save. Uh, it was a one-on-one against Selke. I don't remember what minute it was, but I thought that was a great opportunity for, for yeah. Hertha to get a goal there. And he came out well, read it, saved it with his leg, I think, maybe. Um, and the rebound went out, and the defense ended up clearing it out. But Um, Good, good read by him
0: on that play. Yeah, he's made a couple big saves in in each of his uh, starts to uh, begin the Rooker into here. So, um, yeah, I mean, conceded two goals today, but uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to claim that either of those are really his fault. Um and he's making uh he's making the saves he should make I think and maybe maybe one or two that he that he probably shouldn't make if you go back to that uh, that reaction save last week and yeah. then maybe m- maybe yeah, the Selka one you could say is in that same category so yeah I've been I've been fairly impressed with him so far I don't think I don't think his his uh, distribution nope. was as good in this one or his passing no, but I so um I mean I still think that's an upgrade over Fairman overall so I'll I'll give him a pretty good grade.
1: I thought not only did Nubel have a good game, I thought Yarsin had a good game because Schalke were starting to put some pressure on in the second half. Uh, they're looking, making a lot more better passing plays. And there was one play in particular where Skrzyski seemed to be uh, giving goes with everybody on the team. And he get the, he got a shot off and, and Yarsin had to save it with his right palm. A good play. Uh, that was like one of the better passing sequences I've seen, at least, at least from Schalke offensively. Um, I don't know if uh, Seppel Eichhorn had to do that or what, but... I thought uh, it was good by good movement by Skripsky and and getting himself open, getting himself a shot. He had a couple opportunities in this game, but Yarstein was playing big. I thought in the second half to keep uh, Hertha uh, level in the game. Yeah,
0: Yarcein made a couple uh, really big saves. I think some of them maybe weren't placed as well as they could have been, but um, yeah, yeah. Even so, I mean, you still gotta you still gotta make the saves that, that, that come your way and. Uh, yeah, I was impressed with him because he's not really a goalkeeper I think of all that often when you think about you know the better goalkeepers of the Bundesliga. But uh, he definitely caught the eye today.
1: Well, uh, as we said, the second half did not live up to the end of the first half. Uh, not much really to happen uh, that was really too crazy. The game would end two two. You know, a thing you have to look at in a positive light you know the first two games of the season we finished with what zero points uh, the first two games the rook runda, mm-hmm. we get four points so uh, we'll win last week a, a draw this week both teams are in the top that they that they played against were in a, you know in european comp- competition or contention i should say so that's uh, that's good for Shalka, at least that regard you got to take positives from that right
0: oh absolutely yeah i mean we were winless in our first five to start the runda. um As you said, four points from our first two matches in in, in the Rooker under here Uh, and, you know, could have gotten all three today. Maybe Um, I I mean I don't think we were particularly convincing in either game so far, but I do think we looked a little bit better than we had uh, for the most part in in the first half of the season. So that, yeah, it's definitely promising and we just got to keep grinding away and, uh, you know, four points for every two matches is not a bad return. If we can kind of keep that pace going, well, you know. We'll see where it kind of takes us, second half of the season. But um, yeah, some 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 better performances from I think a couple of different people. I thought uh, I thought Sword Serdar has impressed me a little bit more of late. Uh, I talked a lot in the yeah. first half of the season how disappointed I was. Um, this was a guy that I thought was going to be uh, much more dangerous going forward and, and, and involved in creating opportunities for everybody. And I didn't think he had done that. And uh, I don't know. I've just noticed him more in good areas in, in these matches. He's looked lively. He's been, he's been getting some good passes into his teammate, made a couple good dribbles past people to getting himself into a dangerous area. So I've been impressed with him. And uh, once again, I thought Rudy was was slightly better than he had been. Um, I don't think he did anything that was like particularly eye-catching, but uh, I think he had one of the highest pass totals of anybody on the team. Um, pretty good pass completion. Yeah. And uh, I was just overall... Steady, which isn't a bad thing to have in the in the center of the park.
1: No, yeah, exactly. And and some to go some of what you were talking about, Serdur, I think he was involved in that link play with skripsky where he got uh saved by by Yarseen. So yeah, no, Serdir was doing good and, and Rudy as well. Shalka now um after those four points, uh they sit in twelfth position, twenty-two points from nineteen games. They're getting closer and closer to European spots, Jack, so it just uh keep trucking like they say we do, but it's some, some tough games coming up. Uh, Gladbach and Bayern on the horizon, so we'll see really what they're made of uh, in those games. Um, Schalke fans, tell us your thoughts on the Hertha match at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. <laughs> All right, Jack. Uh, we're gonna talk some transfer talks. Um, nothing, no, no deals have been made yet, but there's a lot of rumors out there. Uh, the rumor we're gonna start with, and this seems to be a Sebastian Rudy themed podcast today. We're gonna start with that man. Uh, sounds like Manchester City are inquiring about his services. Uh, the rumor is that uh, they're gonna at least have to cough up at least 35 million pounds to acquire him. What are your thoughts on on the whole rumors of Rudy to City, or City's interest in Rudy? I
0: should say. Uh, I think they should fire their scout. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. But I, I think everyone that heard this was like, "What? Why? Because he hasn't he hasn't lived up to expectations." Like plain and simple. If it feels like last year you'd be like, "Okay, yeah. we well, had a good season, you know." Yeah. And, uh it was just, it was just curious, like like that. Really, that that's the guy you want. I mean, I know that. Guardiola is probably familiar with him from his time in the Bundesliga, um, right. so I'm sure I'm sure that he has a positive opinion of him and you know he, he knows his game fairly well. But it just yeah, it just seemed like a strange.
1: Oh, well, this just in: uh, Real Madrid are interested in DeSanto Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, actually, uh, I think it was Ronan Murphy that I saw tweet this, uh, saying that Galatasaray was interested in DeSanto
1: Yes, <laughs> Which... that is that is true.
0: <laughs> yeah, they need to fire their scout too. Um <laughs> 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 oh man, uh yeah, but this this Rudy thing um i, I don't I'm not up to date on what the uh <clears throat> um transfer rate is what am i I don't think that's the right terminology what am I talking about exchange rate right for the uh for pounds right. pounds year or whatever but uh, you know, if Schalke paid what like sixteen for him, and they sell him in the thirties, I'm fine He's with that I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, doubling. Doubling what you got for uh, what you what you spend for him in the space of six months when he hasn't even played well—that's good business, I guess. Um, I'm not particularly keen to get rid of him at the moment, given the injury that we just got to Stambouli and the fact that Rudy, I think, has been improving a little bit the first couple performances of this half of the season. But uh, overall, I'm definitely not going to say no to that if if Man City is is serious about that. And I, I believe he's already cup tied, right? To Schalke for the Champions League, so it's not like they can yep. play him against us, come um, our match with them in February.
1: Exactly, and if you want to look at the exchange rate, if you're not too familiar with the pounds, uh, 35 million pounds converts to 40 million euros. So you paid 16 for him, you get rid of him for 40. Uh, that's a that's a good bring, but we've sold so many players in the past, and this is with all the injuries we've got this season. You kind of want to see them keep the depth, um, but. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about Rudy a little bit later in the, in the questions segment. Um, moving on, we're going to stay with City, and it seems like Schalke are on the verge of signing Manchester City's Welsh phenom, Rabi Matanado. Uh, terms are still to be agreed, but the reports are suggested 11 million euros for the youngster. What are your thoughts, or do you even know about this kid, Jack?
0: Uh, I had not heard of him prior to when these rumors um, started. Uh, 11 million seems... A little high for an eight, for yeah, an eighteen-year-old who, to my knowledge, isn't really playing with the senior team. Um, so I find that price tag to maybe not be an ideal price tag for us for a player that's as unproven as this kid. Is. But I have watched some some highlight reels of him since this rumor started. And yeah, I mean, he looks like a you know a a, a pacey. Who does he remind you of?
1: Anyone in the Bundesliga <laughs> that maybe come from the British Isles? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it's the same kind of conversation I was having previously in the, the mid-season awards podcast, right? I just don't know if that's where I want to be devoting all of our resources to, um, especially yeah. that kind of money for an 18-year-old kid. But, um, yeah, I mean, he looked good. He's got great acceleration. He's got some, you know, decent dribbling ability. Um, plays some nice passes every now and then. I don't know how what what, what, is, what is finishing looks like particularly but um i mean if that's the if that's the guy they're looking for to try to inject something into the side then yeah maybe it'll work
1: yeah yeah he seemed like a um a very uh spark plug well, he's his pace for sure he's got dribbling moves uh likes to likes to do little tricks and go one-on-one or one-on-three he's a, he's a decent shot too it seems like um i don't know what his stats look like but at least from the videos i saw of him uh he seems like a it could be an interesting player but he's again he's played with the under 23s for city not with their senior club the senior club team so it's yet to be determined if he can even play in the big league we know many guys um you know uh, of the eye, you know he's one to be mentioned he was amazing in the under 23s and the under 17s and then you go to the senior squad and didn't do so well so uh, it's yet to be determined how how good this kid will be if uh, with whether it was shaka or with city but um yeah, I guess if, I guess it's better to get young players as opposed to
0: players that are getting ready to retire. I, I guess, mean, it so. certainly seems like this thing might be happening because it's not just one of those random rumors that you hear. There's a lot of different outlets that are reporting and and yeah. making updates to those reports. So that this looks like one that has some merit to it. It might get done here in the next you know day or two. Um,
1: yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was Honigstein or 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 Ronan uh, Murphy, like you were saying, they're, they're mentioned about it today too. And so those are more credible sources than like the Sun, if you get. For example. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see. It looks like it may be coming to fruition, but uh, uh, next few days we'll we'll really we'll we'll find out because that's what the deadline's coming up on the thirty first. Um, now another rumor I want to talk about because I'm curious on your take because I already ha- I already have a take on this. Um, another name that was mentioned in possibly coming to Schalke is Nikola Kalinic uh, from Atletico Madrid. Uh, with news of Alvaro Morata joining the club from Chelsea. Uh, and he sounds like an uh, an expense for them, uh, so they're going to get rid of him, even though he hasn't played that much this season. and And Schalke are looking to possibly bring him in. So, what are your thoughts if this were to come, or this this whole rumor situation?
0: Yeah, no thanks, hard pass. <laughs> Appreciate it, but you know, we'll, we'll, I think we should go a different direction. Um, really, like th- this is this is Schalke's answer in the transfer market. Like, how disappointing is that to have, you know, we, we haven't had that many rumors in the, in this in this transfer window. And there are, you know, <laughs> some areas that we need to address. Um, and then one of the strongest rumors that ends up being a thing is Kalinich, 31-year-old striker. Um, Do you remember the World Cup? Yeah, who, like, refused to come in during the World Cup, who, by all accounts, has horrible attitude issues, who hasn't yep. played particularly well this season for Atletico Madrid. Um, I mean, I guess his Copa del Rey performances have been slightly better than his La Liga performances, but um, just not a move that makes sense. And it looks like it looks like it could be a guy that could potentially upset the locker room too, based on things that you've heard about him, which is the last thing that Chalka need at the moment, given you know the tough position that they're in. So I, I just yeah, not one I'm interested in, and I kind of sincerely hope it doesn't end up being a thing.
1: I kind of wish the Sun reported this, but it's not. It's uh, other people. Um, I'm totally against it as well. I He, he was decent at Fiorentina, but then he went to switch to Milan. He was terrible there. I made a move to Atleti, not getting much play time there. He is a guy who can disrupt the locker room, especially when he's not getting his ways. And we know how Tedesco likes to rotate the lineup. He would not like that. And I think it would cause more disruption than anything else. Uh, I would prefer, much prefer that guy we mentioned during the midseason awards. Uh, the player from Genk who's scoring like, you know, what, 21 goals in 24 games or something crazy. I'd much rather have someone like him or even this Matanado kid from City than I would Kalinic. Uh, your, your money could be spent better on defense or somewhere else. Um, or maybe even coaches, I don't know. But yeah, stay away from Kalanich is my thinking. Hopefully, this doesn't come to fruition, but we'll find out soon enough. I guess, right?
0: Yeah, and I think I think like a, a player who's a little bit more of a winger makes more sense than a player that's an out and out striker. Because I think we have some of those players in the squad right now. Um, if you're trying to bring somebody like Matanato in, who's kind of like you know maybe like an opposite side kind of playanco something like that, like that makes more sense to me. Because um, right. we have less of those type of players in the squad. But yeah, this 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 Kalinich thing is just not. Ugh. <laughs> it it, it just—it's just so depressing that, like, that's the big yes. rumor. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Cal, it's like really—that's the best we can do. I mean, I know we're in a tough spot, so it's going to be difficult to attract um, the names that maybe we would potentially be able to attract. But uh, yeah, this is just yeah. Let, let's hope.
1: I never had so many people text me after this Calen Calen issues come out and saying Calenets really all with laughing laughing emojis. And so that's what makes you, it. that tells you what the people. Oh yeah, this is not just Cal- Schalke Cal- fans
0: is. that are potentially against it. This, no, is, no. Yeah, fans this, this is like anybody person. who has seen this rumor is like, yeah, why? Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, not, yeah. not ideal. Exactly.
1: Well, now let's just get off of this subject. or well, at least him, at least uh, it seems, I don't know if it was Heidel or, or whom uh, they mentioned that uh, there's Shaka are also going to be looking for a Mr. X, whatever that means uh, for the, to help out the defensive end of the game, um, who that is. I don't know. You know, we mentioned some names during the midseason awards that we thought maybe we'd like to come in because they're they're young. But I don't know who there. There's there's been no other hints other than Mr. X for the defensive end help. Um, I don't even want to speculate because I don't even know who the heck I don't even know where to begin guessing. So, as long as they bring someone that can help the team in a positive way and and helps build the locker room, not destroy it, I'm for that. I guess, but as long as they don't pay like a boatload of money for someone who's you know aging. I don't want, like, you know, I know Diego Godin, well, he's probably going to sign somewhere, but say say they were out of, like, Diego Godin for, like, $100 million. That would be stupid because he's aging. Yeah, he could have a few more years, but $100 million is way too much for a defender. Yeah. So, you know, as long as it's a decent price range and it's a good player, young player that's helpful for the team, then I'm on for it. But.
0: Yeah, I was a big fan of that Kevin Mbabu rumor from a while ago, but uh, <laughs> yeah. that seems to have cooled off in the past couple weeks, and I believe he just sustained an injury as well. To his knee, which is going to see him out for maybe around a month or so. So maybe not, maybe not mm. the best time to go after to play like that, anyway. But um, yeah, perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, especially with Stambouli going down, who's somebody that you know is at, at times playing in the playing in the back. Although I mean, recently he's moved into that deep midfield role when we switched to like a you know a four at the back system. But um, yeah, we could use some more depth for sure. Uh, not, I mean, although obviously gone now, and then Stambouli injured as well. Yes, yeah,
1: so there's only two registered center backs, I guess, in the, in the senior team. So that's uh, not going to cut it. One if one of those guys go down, you have to or something that quick. McKinney. yeah, yeah, play goalie too. So okay. he's the third, he's the third string. So. Oh, that's enough for the rumors there. Uh, the next game is going to be against Gladbach. Um, there's a lot of names that people know. Jan Sommer, Nico Ilveldi, Matthias Ginter, Oscar Vent Torgen Hazard, Jonas Hoffman, Lars Stindl, Dennis Zachariah, Patrick Herman, Alessane Plié. There's so many good, talented players on Gladbach. There's a reason they're second to the table right now. Or maybe the third if the Bayern won today, I don't know. Uh, but who is the danger man for you when it comes to
0: Gladbach? All the people you just mentioned. <laughs> no, no yeah, problem, right? um, I mean, there's. The, I, I feel like Schindel always has our number specifically when we play him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why does. that is. He's just one of those guys that I feel like ends up scoring against us or doing something dangerous. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good people, as you said, Hazard and um, you know, Playa. I, I think I just saw a transfer for him today. Maybe he's leaving already or something. But um,
1: well, he's got ten goals on the season, so probably going to a, yeah, a bigger. Yeah, um, that that was a yeah, that was a good signing
0: for them. Um, yeah, this is this is going to be a tough tough run of games for us. It really is. Um, yeah, you you weren't you weren't kidding about that. Um, I, I think I think this Gladbach game could be huge because once again, expect to do anything against Bayern Munich. Um, even though that they're slightly more vulnerable this season than maybe they have been in recent years, but um, it, it makes this Gladbach game all all the more important. Um, we got to make something happen. Um, although I will say, you know, sandwich. I guess that's the. Uh, that's a deep people Cal game, isn't it? We're playing Düsseldorf early, yeah. Düsseldorf, that's in between Gladbach yeah, and Bayern. That's going to make it that schedule a little bit tougher too because we have like 3 days rest between each of those games. Um as opposed to like the yeah. full week between that Gladbach and that's going to be a congested week for us when we need to probably be more rested up than normal against those good teams, so I'm,
1: I mean, I guess it's better that we're not playing City that week because when the week we play City, we got Freiburg on one end and uh Mainz on the other yeah. end, so um, that's a little bit better, sure. but it's still, you never want to play three games in a week. Well, I guess you do want to play three games in a week because that means you're doing well in um, in, in Europe. So, uh, But yeah, it's going to be a tough test there. Um, you know, It's interesting to see how Tedesco is going to rock those three days. We saw last year, and even sometimes this year when the, when Schalke had those many games and that meant a stretch of time, there wasn't much of rotation as you would think. Um, I would think the focus at this point would have to be the league because you want to move up that table, get back into Europe. While yes, the DFU Cup is is nice to to do well, you should be able to win with your backups against Dusseldorf, at least to be competitive. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we're going to do against Munich, and we all seem to play Munich in these short weeks. Um, but yeah, the Gladbach game, I think, while both you know Gladbach and Bayern are in the top three. I think if, the, if we're going to pull off a victory, it's going to be in the Gladbach game, not the the Byron game. But hey, I'll be happy to be wrong and happy to see us beat Byron. That would be just that would make my easy year. Uh, but now we'll we'll see what goes on. Um, it's certainly going to be a tough match. This game's going to be at um for the Gladbach game. It'll be on Saturday at twelve thirty Eastern time, one thirty Central time. If you're in the U.S., uh, five thirty. If you're in the yeah, UK. Gladbach
0: best defensive yeah. record in the league, I think at least last time I checked and uh mm. top top 3 or top 5 offense as well. So, um very well rounded this season. Um I feel like maybe in the past they they've they've always been dangerous going forward for a number of years, but I feel like they've had some pretty leaky defenses at times. Um that has not been the case for them so far this year. So, we are going to be uh fully tested in this one and I'm I'm not particularly optimistic about it.
1: Considering all the injuries and stuff, I think the best way to approach this game is uh defensively and trying to one whole possession but also be stout defensively make sure your markings are there make sure you press you know the way tedesco likes people to pr- the team to press so it's going to be certainly tough they're going to be have to they're going to have to be on their game for 90 minutes no doubt about it with all that with all that talent there
0: yeah for sure
1: all right so that's that we're talking about um the Gladbach game. We're going to, we have a couple questions uh, that came in. Uh, one from last week. I want to get to before I forget about that. Um, that one came from Magnus Rosing. Uh He asked last week, basically he's, what he's asking is um, while we need to go out and get a player, it seems that sometimes when you bring a player in, it's hard for them to acclimate to the team, um, you know, coming to a new club and whatnot. And it's hard to get their, their feet wet. Um, it's always a tough predicament about bringing in a player, especially in the, in the January window. Um, yeah well, there's there's there has been guys that come in in january and they just you know rock their rock the team socks off and and do, do really well but a lot of times majority of the time it seems like when you bring in a guy they don't do much right and and it's not until the next season if they're still there that they really kick off because it's unfamiliarity there i uh, mean the lang probably language barrier at, at, at times uh it's, uh, it's a, a variety of factors that could contribute to that so what do you what are your whole thoughts on bringing people in during the january window
0: yeah, certainly more pressure on January signings to have an immediate impact than signings you pick up in the summer. But you can't let that stop you from making those moves if you think those are the moves that are going to help your team. Um, and, you know, every once in a while you do have people that are able to make that immediate impact. And I think, you know, Bergstahler is a perfect example of that because we picked yeah. him up uh, in the winter window from the second division. And I think he went on to score over 10 goals for us in the second half of the season, which was fantastic. So um, it, it can happen. Um And, you know, you just got to take that risk, I guess. And uh, I would like to think that the the mood of the whole club in the locker room under Tedesco, despite the bad performances, it does seem to be more positive than we've seen from Schalke in recent seasons. Yeah. there's some good chemistry. It seems like so. Hopefully, you know, it would be easier to break into that side and get chemistry with people and get up to speed, and uh, then maybe it otherwise would have been given. You know, the way the way this club seems to be at the moment, it's a little bit more stable and higher spirits, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I agree 100. It's uh, Tedesco certainly has a way with 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 people and and bringing them together. So that's a that's one of the best. Attributes I've seen from a from a, head, a Schalke head coach in, in a long time I think maybe since, America Slumka, maybe I don't know. Um, our next question comes from LK twenty one, and we kind of talked about this already, but uh, he, they ask what are your thoughts on the likes of uh, Robbie Montanado? or mantado whatever you say his name is. Um, again, you know this he does seem like a two footed player He can play on either side of the wing. We 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 said that you know a winger probably is better at this point than a, than an out and out striker. It seems like we have plenty of those. Once our guys become healthy, uh, we're gonna have all our guys back It'll be it'll be a good competition there. So um, always having a winger, that winger type is always good, especially if uh, you know Kompianka is not getting as much time as he as he can, or or I mean Harit. Um, it's good to have a guy like this because we don't have many game changers. Jack, uh, it seems so. Something like this would be better than better than Kalenich.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean if you look at this game that we just played I, I think the majority of what we tried to do was actually like down the center but if you look at the plays that actually ended up resulting in the goals um, it, They came from wide areas from kind yeah. on the first one and then from Oshipka, um delivering a ball from wide area and that that seems to be When when Shalke always more dangerous over the past season or so under Tedesco is when we were able to get People into advanced areas to deliver balls from out there um, or make dangerous runs inside off the shoulder of the defense. And, uh, you know, to that end, if we're picking up a, a winger that can help in that area, um, yeah, I guess that would be a good thing. Is because as we talked about, we don't think Calajari has maybe gotten as forward this season as we would like him to um so again maybe additional help in that position can can be a good thing but uh, you know as i said earlier like it's got to be for maybe the right price although if we're going to just do a one-for-one swap with <laughs> mantano and, and rudy then maybe you know plus a couple uh plus like 20 30 million dollars something like that it could you know could work out
1: well since you bring up sebastian rudy the last question is about him uh from jamal stutz he asked what are your thoughts on the whole rudy transfer
0: yeah, we already talked about this a little bit as well. But um I, I think if if Shauka can actually get forty million, um, I think you gotta do it just because that's a lot of money for us and For Rudy. Yeah, and given yeah, given how long we've had him and the performance he's put on, that's like a incredible return. Um so if it is that much, I would I would probably Pull the trigger on it. If it ends up being significantly less, like, you know, sub thirty or something, then I probably wouldn't just because I feel like maybe the depth is more important. But it also depends on kind of how you feel the season's going. If you think this season is lost in terms of us potentially trying to fight for a European spot, then maybe you're more inclined to to sell him. Whereas if you think that, you know, Shaco still has a chance that we get some ability to string some wins together or something, then maybe you want to hold on to him and help with the depth first of the season.
1: Yeah. And that's that's really the thing, and I and I, I think Shocker in a position that they can get back to Europe. Um, they're within reach as right now. Like you said, if they can string some wins together. It'll certainly be uh, to our advantage to keep someone like Rudy. I'm with you. 40 million euros is a lot, uh, especially for a player who's been underperforming this season. We paid sixty million for him to get back 40, or to get back, you know, make a, a profit by selling him for 40. It makes sense, right? I mean, we didn't want to lose Leroy Sané, but they were giving us 50 million euros. So you're like, how do you say no to 50 million? 40 million? It was the same situation here, just a little bit less and an older player. But with that said, I liked a lot of what Rudy's been saying you know, during the winter pausa and the training camp and how he's come out in the second half of the season. It seems like he's um, he's got more passion now and he's, he's trying a lot harder. Not saying that he didn't try before, but it, it's looking a lot better. So I kind of want to see how, how this pans out. I want to see if he is going to, you know, commit more to the team, try to become that leader he said he wanted to become, uh, will his performances get better? That's what I want to see, and I kind of want to not sell him, just let him stay. And I mean, we just had Sembouli get injured, so we need all the depth we can get. And if, while I would love to have a kind of swap, like you said, for the young kid from City, we're losing the midfield that, while we do have a lot of guys in the midfield right now, it's another injury. It's going to be thin, and, you know, injuries are not or not something that uh, we can avoid the season. It seems like it seems like it's not just a striker issue. It's coming throughout the team. So I think they should certainly keep him uh, as much as I would love to have that money that, uh, that, that the city are going to offer him potentially. Uh, I think ultimately they should just keep it and uh, use that and try to get back to Europe. So, uh that's the last of the questions, Jack. Um, I did see this. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, blue and white hooded sweaters are now available in the team store for 50 euros. Uh, you can be like Mark Outh and rock the new sweaters by simply going to the team store and search Mark Outh uh, Mark sweater. I saw those things. They look actually kind of snazzy. I might have to get myself one. Uh, yeah, they look uh, warm, especially cold right now. I know you're going through a big freeze right now in, in Chicago.
0: This upcoming week is not going to be fun in the you're weather department. you not leave the house, are you? You work remotely. <laughs> I could ask, but I, I think I work closer to the office than almost anybody else does. So that's probably not going to fly. If I, had a, <laughs> if I had a little bit longer of commute, maybe that would be the thing. But I think it's a good look for for me, of all people, to be doing that. But uh, I'm a block away. I can't make it in. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a pretty uh, brutal week. When I woke up this morning, I think it was exactly zero degrees outside. Um, and it's not going to get much better with wind chill and everything. So uh, hopefully my car battery doesn't die on me or something. We'll have to see how it goes.
1: Yeah, this is, yeah. people don't know
0: this uh, –
1: well, not, not Chicago, but usually if you go to, like, Saskatchewan or something, like that, they're used to cold temperatures sub-zero, and you got to plug your car in when it gets that cold because the batteries do not make it, but uh, best of luck to you, sir.
0: <laughs> my, uh, my roommate and I will f- fight over the one garage spot we have to get a little protection from the cold, so we'll have to uh, see who there wins that battle.
1: There you go. Well, I think that'll wrap this one up. We want to thank Schalke for tidbits on our podcast today. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Schalke US newsletter or the Schalke newsletter in general by simply going to the team website and entering your email address. You'll get them monthly. Uh, once again, special shout out to our friends over at NBC4 Nashville. Hello, guys. Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter? J M Mangan J M
0: M A N G A N.
1: And uh, anything you plugging away? Uh, anything got going on uh, outside of uh, podcasting?
0: Uh wow. Uh if for some reason we have any listeners in the uh Greater Chicagoland area, my band and I are playing a gig at the Cubby Bear this upcoming Saturday around eight thirty, maybe. So uh if you're somebody who likes to go out in Wrigleyville and listen to uh loud music for drunk people, feel free to come to that show. But uh I don't know <laughs> how many Chicago <laughs> nice. listeners we have, so uh oh, very
1: nice. That's awesome. Um Hey, if I was out there, I would go myself, so I need to come by and, and, and visit Jack out there in Wrigleyville anyway. Appreciate it. So. I am your host, Richard Garman. You can find me on Twitter as well at k h a r m a n. I just wrote an article that came out last week uh, for the Goldmouth Scramble on Tedesco and his tactics. Uh, check that one out. And then i got to have a piece, another one coming for Goldmouth Scramble coming up sco- soon. I don't know what I'm writing it on yet. Uh, but I'm also break, uh, writing an article for Breaking the Lines uh, previewing the Manchester City Schalke uh, Champions League game so it'll probably come out next week at some point too as well so stay tuned for that. Um, until the next pod f- comes my friends stay ready, stay warm uh, we'll be with you soon. Shoes.